Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my co-host, Curtis, here with me today to recap Georgia's dominant 40-13 40-13 victory over the South Carolina Gamecocks in the Dogs' SEC opener. So we'll get to all that here in just a second. But first, I do want to make sure to tell you guys about the Georgia-Florida tailgate being put on by Game Day Tailgate Experiences down in Jacksonville for the annual cocktail party this season. I've got all the details. It's pinned to my Twitter feed, so you can just check that out and get all the the nitty-gritty details, prices, all that stuff. But I can just tell you guys, it really is. It's an awesome deal. They have all-you-can-eat food, an open bar, and I know for a lot of you guys, that's probably enough said, right? Uh, they got tinted seating, they've got TVs everywhere, so you can watch all the other games leading up to the big matchup at 3.30 that day. It's right outside the stadium, so it's literally, you kind of just walk in, walk right into the game, and uh, have the time of your life. So, I'm telling you guys right now, it, you're not going to find a better deal there. Brandon Boykin's going to be there for a meet and greet. Big Dog Woods is going to be there for a meet and greet. You don't have to worry about trying to get a seat at some restaurant. Not that there's any restaurants in downtown Jacksonville. It's basically a wasteland. If you've been in downtown Jackson, you know what I'm talking about. So, I'm telling you guys, this is the way to go. This is how to do it. So, go to my Twitter feed or you're going to search in Game Day Tailgate Experiences uh, in Google and just look up the, the uh, Georgia-Florida game tailgate. And you can find just the uh, the regular tickets there. You can also find the VIP tickets where you can get just basically cut to the front of the line, the open bar, the food line, all that stuff, and not to worry about anything. So take my word for it, guys. This is the way to go if you're planning to make the trip down to Jacksonville for the cocktail party this season. But all right, I know you guys want to talk some football today, so let's get right to it. It was an awesome environment inside Sanford Stadium Saturday night. This season's kind of every game seems like it's one of those games where you say it's the first in a long time, right? Like the game against Clemson was the first full stadium we've been in in like two years. the The game at home was the first full home game we've been in in almost like two years. And then this week it was the first home night game since November 9th, two thousand nineteen. We played Missouri almost two years ago, and it, it was just a lot of fun, man. Obviously, we had a lot of fun beating up on the Gamecocks, like we like to do. 
but we got to honor the five, the, the first five African-American players kind of break the color barrier here as scholarship athletes from the University of Georgia's football team. David Pollock was honored before the game and at halftime for his induction in the College Football Hall of Fame. And God, Pollock, just such an all-time great. You know, every time you see his accolades up there, I mean, those of you who watched him play, which I know is most of you guys, we all remember how great he was. But you see the numbers put up there, three-time All-American only other person besides Herschel Walker in Georgia history to, to be able to make that claim. SEC Player of the Year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Just a, just a stud, man. I, I remember those days very, very fondly. So it was great to be able to honor him there at, half, at halftime and also before the game. And oh yeah, I don't know if you heard, Arch Manning was also in the house. So a lot going on between the hedges on Saturday night. And the dogs did what the dogs do to South Carolina. We reminded them that, oh yeah, you may think this is a rivalry, but it's really not. It's a toxic relationship. That's what it is. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for you to have to be in this division with us and have to play us every year. It's just not. We have now won 53 of the 72 meetings between these two programs. And yes, we ran Shane Beamer out of town for the second time. But as with any game, there was a lot of good, a lot of good things that we saw, and there's also some things that uh, we got to correct, and we will get to all of that throughout this episode, but Curtis, I want to start with the quarterback position. We all saw what happened last week. Stetson Bennett got the start with JT Daniels out with an injury, and let's just be honest, let's give Stetson credit. He lit the world on fire, man. He absolutely did. He played outstanding, massive numbers, almost perfect, it seemed like. And then, of course, after the game, you had people like Chip Towers and Robert Griffin III on the, on the broadcast trying their absolute best to manufacture some sort of quarterback controversy out of thin air, at least out of thin air as far as I was concerned. I mean, you even had RG3 on the broadcast. I mean, I, I had to rewind like three times to make sure I actually heard it correctly when I was, when I was doing the, the rewatch for the first time on Sunday, where he goes, where does J.D. Daniels even fit into Georgia's plans now? It's like... Did, did he really just say that? Yeah, yeah, he did. Stetson had a great game. And of course, that's coming off JT Daniels' performance as Clemson, where we didn't really throw the ball all that well because Clemson was not really giving us those vertical shots. So they took that opportunity to try to manufacture, tried their dandest to manufacture a quarterback controversy. And then coming into this weekend, South Carolina, JT was back practicing. Him and Stetson reportedly were both getting work with the ones. Um, you start to hear later on in the week that Stetson was getting more of the work with the ones. You're like, oh, is Stetson going to be the guy again? Is he going to get another star? We're going to hear more about a quarterback controversy again this week. But ultimately, the coaches felt good enough about JT's health, and he did get the start. And he responded, man. Responded in a big way with a fantastic game, 23 of 32, 303 yards passing, three touchdowns to one interception. It wasn't a great interception. Um, he hesitated there and, and probably wants that one back, I'm sure. 9.8 yards per attempt, though, there. So that, that's awesome. Was able to push the ball vertically some. So that was great to see. So, Curtis, I'm just going to put it to you straight here, man. After Saturday's game and JT's performance, what do you make of this so-called quarterback controversy now? It's non-existent. You know, I kind of said before last week, I didn't think it was, there was even such a thing that the idea of it was an absolute joke. Um, to me, I mean, JT just further solidified himself as QB1. I mean, they try to bring Stetson in. I don't know if it was to get him some snaps because you wanted to try to rest JT when you get up by two scores. And I mean, I don't even know what I saw. I, 
that throw, it's like he couldn't even hit the broad side of a bar. And like, it was just that bad of a he throw. He over his head. Uh, bro- Bowers yeah. is like, I'm not even going to jump for that. I got no chance for it. Like, it was an absolute terrible pass. The guy was wide open. And then the thing was, it, it wasn't a him. deep ball. Yeah, it was just, it was just a, a very bad attempt. Um, You know, I was thinking about it this past week. Stetson had a great game last week, and I, no one has argued he hasn't. But it almost reminded me and the, how the fan base reacted was like what you saw years ago when Grayson Lambert went out there and threw that, had that amazing game against South Carolina, set the completion record, and everyone was like, oh, my God, what do we have? This guy's a legend. And, what, three or four games later, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's terrible. Like, it got to the point, like, the next year we were hoping he wasn't going to play. Like, Easton, as a freshman, we were, like, ready for him to come in and just not even give Lambert a chance. And it almost reminded me of that. Just because they have one great game doesn't change truly who they are. You're right. And I think that's what what fans do, right? They overreact to things like that. I mean, it doesn't help when you have the media and everyone who, like Kirby said, told Trippy, like, I know you want to get the clicks, bud, but – the fact is, JT's our quarterback, and he even said, you know, most of it depended on JT's health. He's like, you know, I'm not ready to talk about next week because I don't know JT's health. And that's the fact of the matter. And when JT, even JT, you could see the guy wasn't 100%. I mean, I don't know. He made some great throws, but the thing that I noticed most is he didn't have his usual fire after he threw those beautiful deep bombs or touchdowns. He wasn't, like, celebrating crazily. He was very conservative with the way he was celebrating, trying not to do anything to really kind of aggravate his injury or anything. And yet he was going out there and doing all those things. It's a very astute observation, my friend. You're exactly right. I noticed that too. Usually has that kind of like, I don't even know how to describe like his like. Like he wasn't even going really celebrating with the wide receivers. Like he was just giving them like a pat on the back, almost like a shake of the hand, like nothing like jumping up and celebrating with them. Like last year, I remember he throws those touchdowns to Burton in the first game back. And I was scared watching him like jump up and chest bump him. I was like, oh my God. But he wasn't even doing things like that. Yeah. On one hand, you're like, well, maybe like this is what we want from a quarterback. It's just what you do. You like, you just throw touchdowns. You know, there's no need to celebrate it. But on the other hand, it's like, well, no, he usually does. So probably like there's some pain going on there, and he's kind of just whooping through that. Uh, that's that's a great breakdown, man. Yeah. Honestly, like there there was no quarterback controversy. We said it last week. There was never a quarterback controversy. No one in any position of power inside the athletic department inside that football program thought there was a quarterback controversy. Okay. JT Daniels. Is our quarterback. JT Daniels was our quarterback before the but in week one. He was our quarterback going into UAB. He was our quarterback after UAB. He was our quarterback before this game. He's our quarterback after this game. Stetson Bennett is an awesome, awesome player to have on your roster, an incredibly valuable type guy to have, where you can just bring him cold off the bench like that, and he can deliver the way that he delivered. I love Stetson Bennett, man. I, I spent all last week waxing poetic about him. And I, I, I mean every word I said. I mean, I love the guy, and we should love him as a fan base. It, and I, it's kind of what I said last week, too. It reminds me, in some ways, it's similar to Jake Fromm. It's like, well, because Jake Fromm wasn't Justin Fields. He got, you know, people vilified him. And it's like, what? All this guy does is go out there and do everything he possibly can for, for University of Georgia to win. He cares about Georgia. You can say the same thing about Stetson Bennett. He hasn't had the success that Jake had. He hasn't played as much as Jake had. But because he's not JT Daniels, and people want to see JT Daniels just like they want to see JT Daniels all last year. They, in some ways, vilified Stetson Bennett. It's like that's not fair to that guy. Doesn't is he as good as JT? No, he's not. He's not JT. But doesn't mean like to vilify the guy either. He's done everything he's ever been asked to do and more for this program. And I and I appreciate the guy. But you're right, Curtis. This quarterback controversy is non-existent. It never was a thing. It was something they were trying to manufacture. When I was watching the replay. Last week after the UAB game, I'm listening to like to me. I'm thinking, oh yeah, it's just I, I never thought there was a quarterback controversy in the first place. Even when Stetson was was making these throws, and you hear you turn on the the 
the replay and you watch over and you hear RG3 just talking about, oh my God, like where does JT Daniels even fit into this thing now? And it's like, what are you talking about? And then you listen to the post-game press conference and Chip Towers is, and it wasn't just Chip Towers, but primarily Chip Towers. He was the one leading the charge, trying to, like clearly asking leading questions, trying to manufacture the notion there's some sort of quarterback controversy. Uh, it's kind of like, oh my God, here we go again. Uh, it, so th- that was frustrating. Um, now, again, like I said last week, Kirby didn't do him any fa- himself any favor saying that Carson Beck was the number two, and then you go out there and, no, it's not Carson Beck, it's Stetson Bennett. Like, just, you never needed to say that Carson Beck was number two if he wasn't actually your number two. That did not do himself any favors. Uh, but still, there's no quarterback controversy. There wasn't last week. There's not this week. JT Daniels is the guy. Of course, you kind of alluded to this. I have to ask you this next. One more thing about the quarterbacks, and then we'll move on. I've also got to get your take on Kirby inserting Stetson Bennett in that third drive in the first quarter after JT Daniels had led two very strong touchdown drives in the first two drives of the game. He completed eight out of nine passes in those two drives, one of them a long pass to Jermaine Burton. What do you make of Kirby's decision to take JT out in that third drive and insert Stetson Bennett? My thinking, realistically, has to do with the fact that I, once again, like I was mentioning earlier, I don't think JT's 100%. Now, Kirby wanted him to get out there, especially get some reps against the SEC team who's, I mean, I don't know if they're better than UAB, honestly, but the fact is, it's an SEC opponent, um, loud atmosphere, kind of wanting to get him some reps, get him going, um, and I felt like, if honestly, if our offense has struggled a little bit those first two drives and JT doesn't, we don't score, I don't know if he makes that change like that. I think it was, he got a little comfortable um, and wanted to try to rest JT as much as he could potentially, uh, just see if the offense could keep going and not have JT took some hits. Because you saw him take some hits a little bit later um, from those sacks and things like that. And that's something when he's nursing injury, the last thing you want to happen. And if you can bring a backup like Stetson in and get some throws in and get up, you know, 21 28, it may even allow you to bring in Carson Beck later in the game and, you know, let JT get his complete, almost like when you see. Uh, what you used to see in the preseason, things like that, where running backs and people would get like a couple carries just to get them and get their reps and then would sit on the sidelines the rest of the game. Do you really think it was about health or more so about Kirby just thinking that Stetson deserved to play? I don't know if he deserved it. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby will do that. Um, he will put guys in. He, he will do he it. Has a and I think that he realized him. right away that he can't do that. I think it came down to it also. I think he realized real quick he needed to stick with the hot hand and not make any changes and just let let it do it because Setson did not come in until JT's night was done for the rest of the night. Yeah, look, I know that that Stetson Bennett has won SEC games before, and he can win SEC games again if he's asked to. I understand that. I believe that. I believe in Stetson in these kind of games. I think we could have won this game if Stetson Bennett started, but it's also an SEC game, and you cannot screw around. And when you start off, I get what you're saying. Like, okay, well, you start off two two drives. You get up, was it 14-6 or whatever? Or I guess it was 14-3 at that time. And uh, so then you, get, you can breathe a little bit. So you um, you bring in sets and bed and give JT a chance to rest. But I just – I don't know if at that point it, it's almost like it's too early to even just sit there and rest. Like, yeah, and I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you – you, I think you hit it right there when you said you can't screw around. Like, I think Kirby, it kind of – Kirby was like, okay, Stetson – right away throws, throws that pick. Luckily, our defense holds 14-6. Okay, we're not screwing around. We're going to build up a lead before I make another change. Yeah, like like, like a quarterback situation. Like a, a it's almost like, like – honestly, when he put Stetson in, I was like, oh, my God, are we do, are we going to go with a two-quarterback system now? And maybe we would have if Stetson would have had a good drive. I don't know what the plan was if he would have had a good drive. Um, but that, like what I would say here, Curtis, I understand if JT's not I, – I, I, look, JT was not 100% healthy yes, yesterday. Like I, I think it's 
clear to say that. I think that's fair to say he was good enough to play, but was he 100%? No, I don't think he was 100%. But to me, Kirby, you have to know, Kirby is a very bright man. He's a bright individual. If he wasn't the head football coach at University of Georgia, he'd probably be running some Fortune 500 countries, company somewhere. He's a bright dude, guys. He, he gets it. But you, I, I just saying that, I question, like, he has to know. Kirby is very self-aware. He can say he doesn't hear the noise. He hears the noise. You have to hear the noise. He knows the narrative out there about him and quarterbacks. Right, Curtis? Would you agree with that? He knows that narrative. Yeah, I think so. I think he I think he clearly recognizes it. Yeah, he has to. He's not a dumb man. He knows that. He hears this. He understands, okay? Kirby knows what's going on. And that narrative, and maybe he just doesn't, he simply does not care at all. But that's the kind of thing that, I don't want to say starts hot seat, but you talk about quarterbacks or coaches under pressure, and you hear all these things about coaches on the hot seat, coaches under pressure. I've, even, I've seen Kirby Smart on some Coaches on on the hot seat list coming in the preseason, coming in this season, which I think is asinine. It's insane, but it's when you it's decisions like that where you kind of feed into this narrative that continues to follow you and your program. And you don't want to you don't you don't want any bad juju out there. Like in the grand scheme of things, and people talk media talks. And I guess it doesn't really matter about any narratives they create about Kirby and quarterbacks. But at some point, it, it could come back and hurt you in recruiting at some point. Yeah, so and I'll so, I'll say this like. Outside of JT being injured or being up big, I would perfectly be ecstatic if we never saw Stetson Bennett in a game. I think best case scenario is that we don't have to see Stetson Bennett again. You know what I'm saying? And, and, well, that's, that's, and I think it needs work. to stay that way because the fact is I know you can love Stetson. Everything works. And, like, it, like, it's hard not to cheer against him. Like, I don't like being saying these things about him, but the real realistic aspect, too, is the fact that the media attention, like the statements by some people have caused it to where you have to be – say these things like the re- the realistic harsh things that he's just not that this person and it, you don't want to do it like last week i wanted to re- you know revel on how well he played and give him all these things but yet we had to address the quarterback competition yeah no that's know, very fair. Look, I, you have to be objective uh, i just I, I don't like when people go out of like i'm not even talking about you you don't go out of your way but there are some people like that just like go out of their way to like rip the guy kill him just bury him it's like what what are you just yeah, he's not as good as JT. We get that. We, like we don't we don't have to rehash that over and over and over again. Um, which I, and I'm not saying saying you are Curtis, but like going back to Kirby, I have an issue. I do have an issue with it. Like I, I normally, you guys know, I'm I'm hesitant to criticize coaches on things like this because I just think they have far more information to work off of than we do with these things, generally speaking. But doesn't mean that they're above reproach and they can't make mistakes. Absolutely, Kirby's made plenty of mistakes. He'll make more mistakes. I think he does. A, I think he gets a right far more often than he gets it wrong, as evidenced by our, his track record here in, in Athens. But he knows the narrative surrounding his program. He knows what people say, and you have to understand by inserting Stetson Bennett into the game in that third drive like that, the way you did after JT had come out firing in the first two drives. You have to know you're inviting these quarterback controversy questions. Is that fair to say, Curtis? Like you are inviting it when you do things like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is, what did, if it's not for his health? I think that that needed to be said realistically, like that, because the fact is, when you say those comments, you do invite it. Yeah, you just you do like, when you those comments, and then when you go out there and you put Stetson in the third drive, you take JT out, who was firing in those first few drives. You invite those kind of questions, and you get annoyed and frustrated at the media when they ask you these things. It's like, well, why are you doing this? Like, you didn't need to put him in there. And look, I, I get what you're saying, Curtis. I I agree that the JT is probably 100, and a big part was probably like, you know what? Well, we we got we got a little bit of a lead here, um, so maybe we can just you know rest him a little and, bit. And, yeah. and I, the thing is, I hate to say it, but he like I wish he would have just said that. Like in the post game press conference, we would have been better off. He would have been like, you know what? 
we wanted to get ahead and try to get JT some rest and still get Stetson some reps. It would have a hundred percent. It's just like you said with the Carson Beck thing last week. Sometimes his messaging is what gets him in trouble. And he's a smart man. He, he, his messaging is is on point most of the time. It's just like the and quarterback. He doesn't want to kill the confidence it. of people, but I just don't. Sometimes, like, there's a reason. There, I mean, yeah. you just got to be honest at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough job, and I get it. He's gonna be criticized almost no matter what he does. I understand that. But if it going back to what you said about the health, if it was truly about JT's health, to me, it's like if JT is healthy enough to play and you feel good about him playing, then he can play the whole game. I get that you you would like to get him some rest if you can, but like what is one drive going to do? You know, like if he if you if you have plans to put him back out there after the first few drives and or after that sets and drive, then like what is one drive like we're talking about three passes? That can be a difference between him being able to play next week and not. I don't understand the hell like to me it just makes sense. Either he, either he can play or he can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and maybe uh, and it'll get, I don't have all the information. Kirby's got more information. Than I, I just don't know what you get. I just don't know what you gain from it. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Like Stetson is who he is. <laughs> I yeah. I just truly don't know. I'll say this: I'm just glad JT went out there and had the game because to me it truly reestablished. I mean, not like there was any true question maybe for the fringe yeah. lunatic fan base, but it reestablished himself as QB one, especially when he went out there those first few drives and was clicking, and we didn't stall because I think if we had stalled out. And like Kirby went with the plans, you know, bent or to bring in Stetson or something, it would have caused a lot of problems. I, but I'm really glad JT had a great game and just it sh- and it was just another proving of yeah. that he's him being our guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, because imagine Curtis if he come out there, you know, he's injured, right? So let's say he goes 14 of 37, uh, one touchdown, three interceptions. We still find a way to win. And it's like, oh, that's uh. That's not good. And all of a sudden now you have yeah. all – he misses deep balls and all that kind of thing, and it's like, uh-oh. Then that quarterback controversy question really And my favorite thing gear. was, too, he made the throws that everyone wants to give him a hard time on those deep balls. He threw absolute beautiful deep balls. Dimes. That's the one throw Dimes. everyone wants to try to, you know, be yeah. real hard on him over. Were, he, he had some issues with that last year. He had to be honest. Well, I know, did. but then, you know, but like everyone last year – or last week forgot Stetson had trouble with deep balls and certain things last year, and he connected on a few last week, and all of a sudden everyone forgot everything the bad he had done. And so it's yeah. kind of like you can't – you know, you're not holding him to the same standard. Agreed. Absolutely agree. All right. So is that enough quarterback talkers? Can we move on? I'd say so because I think it's settled. Yeah, I think exactly. You're, you said it very well, my friend. Uh, it's great that JT had the game he did because I think that puts that whole potential idea of a quarterback controversy that people were trying to manufacture, put that to rest once and for all. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But all right, for the rest of the episode, we're going to try something a little bit different here. We want to try to cover as much as we possibly can on these recap episodes in the short window that we have to record these episodes. So instead of just talking about a couple different big picture things, we've got the big picture stuff out of the way. We're going to try something a little new. We're going to divide things up the rest of the way into very simply things we liked and things we didn't like. I try to think of a cooler, catchier name. I'm not that creative. If somebody out there has a cooler name, a more creative name, and you're smarter than me, send it our way. I will. I am certainly open to suggestions. But for, for today, at least, it's things we liked and things we didn't like. Simple as that. And obviously, when you win a game 40 to 13, and you should have won it by a lot more, there is uh, going to be more that you liked than you did not like. And, um, and, and the stuff that you like, it's easy. It's easy to point out all the things that, that, that were positive in a game like this, all that good stuff. So I want to start with the things that we did not like, Curtis, uh, because for us to do what we all want to do this season in the Georgia fan base, to win that thing that shall not be named, we've got some things to clean up. So, Curtis, let's start there. What is the first thing that you got here? I got I got a whole list of things. I don't know how many you got on your list, but I got quite a few here. But give me one thing that you did not like in this game. Well, I'm going to stick with my most consistent critique. I know where you're going. Is it on the offensive line? Yeah. The abysmal play of both guards. Um, You know, I may, may, after this last game, have to change my public enemy, number one, from Justin Schaefer to Warren Erickson because his showing this past Saturday was – I don't even think – I think abysmal is too nice of a word. Not good. Not good. But how much do you put – I mean, Curtis, he's a, he's a center, man. He's having to play guard. Well, like. yeah, but – all right. But here's the thing. Yeah, he, he gets absolutely zero push, and we can't have that at guard position. Correct. But even if he was at center, the stuff he's doing is absolutely embarrassing. Like, you see him on the ground. I don't even know if he's going for a chop block or what, but he's on the ground. People are running right by him, and he's just, like, laying there like a, like a bug and not doing anything, like slithering around. And then the other times when he's actually on his feet, all he's doing is turn around yelling to the person behind him, hey, I missed my guy. You need to look out. You're about to get hit. Like I think the best yeah. thing he did all day Saturday was I'm pretty sure it was him who missed the block that caused us to get um, stopped on that third down and two draw, which led to us punting and you know having the great punt to get down, the set, led to the safety, and then the field that goal. Like, those nice couple plays. The only thing he did was allow it to give us the opportunity to make that happen. Yeah, um, it wasn't all bad. He, he, he did open him a few holes. I, I, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate there, but you're right. All said and done, not good enough. It's that simple. Uh, we're not getting pushed there. We're not getting movement. And that's not something we're used to. The guy like Ben Cleveland there. Um, it's Solomon Kinley in years past, all that, you know, those kind of guys getting some movement. We're not getting that right now. I will say he is a center. Um, that's not necessarily what he's built to do. He's having to do that right now because Tate Ratledge's injury. So it's kind of like, you know, I'll go back to like with Stetson and Jake Fromm. Like, I hate to kill the guy because – He's doing something that he's not really built to do, but the fact that the effective. last couple, the last couple, especially last year, he played the Cade Mays role, like the first guy off the bench playing everywhere. Yeah, he, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, we, we've got and to get better on the that, interior. Yeah, it, it's you're 100 right. Justin Schaefer didn't list. play any better, honestly, but Warren Erickson just had that bad of a game that you I think just he played better than Erickson. Not. Yeah, I think he played better than Erickson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Erickson's game was just that bad that I have to, I'll, yeah. I'll forego. 
you know, critiquing Schaefer, but it was because it was just so bad. It's not getting movement, blowing assignments, and having guys run right by you at times. It's just not, it was just not a, um, it was not good enough. I'll just, I'm trying to be nice about this. I'm trying to not say terrible things. I'm going to leave that to you, Curtis. You're very good at that. I'm, I'm going to play the nice guy role. You can, I'll be good cop. You can be back up there, but I I will admit even as good cop, it was not good enough. We've got to get better on the interior. It's one of my big concerns on this team. We've got to get more push. And I will say South Carolina's defense front, Curtis, like that's a pretty salty front. They got four. Yeah. But I mean, there's a difference if you're fighting on your blocks and, but I didn't even see fighting on the blocks, you know, like, it was just nothing. And we saw the same thing against UAB, who's a good defensive front, but not South Carolina level, you know, last week. So it's becoming, I mean, two weeks, I don't know if it's a trend yet, but it's becoming concerning for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's on my list as well. I figured that's probably where you would start. Uh, my first thing that I did not like, explosive pass plays. Yeah. Did not like, they hit a couple of them, hit the one in the first drive, the 61-yarder to Josh Van. And then Josh Rand had another one uh, where, where Darian Kendrick was actually in position there. He kind of maybe slightly mistimed his jump. Maybe it was an inch too short and he got outfought there. And, and Josh Van came down with the ball. But I'm not going to kill Kendrick for that because he was he was in position, just didn't make the play. So I have better ball skills there. But he, he it's fine. The mere speed one, that's not good enough. And they were also like, those are the two big ones they hit, Curtis. Your speed had two, have- honestly. Yeah, they had, they had the one to Josh Van that looked like he initially was called a catch when they reviewed it and he was a. It, hit the ground and moved a little bit. So it was an incomplete pass, but I mean, that ball was there. It was there. And then there were a couple later in the, in the game as well. Even Keely Ringo, when he got put in there for speed, there were a couple of plays where they were behind him and they, and Doty just missed them. So there were plays to be had, that they did not hit. So they hit a couple of explosive pass plays. There were more there that a better quarterback would hit. And we will play better quarterbacks later on this season. And they're probably going to hit those. If they're there, we've got to clean that up. That cannot happen. That is like, that is defense 101 for Kirby Smart. Do not give up explosive plays. Like his entire scheme, most of his career has been built around that. Don't give up explosive plays. He wants to force the team to go 10, 12 yards down the field and execute their way to a score. And if they do that, tip your cap, awesome. But chances are when you have to run that many plays, you're going to mess up somewhere along the line. If you give up one play touchdowns like that or one play big plays, then all of a sudden they don't have, they don't, the mar- their margin of error is not there, right? You cannot give up explosive plays like that. You just can't. So that's something that we've got to get better at, man. Like, I, like a mere speed. We didn't see him much after that. Like, they ripped him out, like, I think the ne- two plays after that. Maybe the next play. We didn't see much of him after that, did we? No, because, yeah, he got beat at Ringo, played most of the time until they kind of sat Kendrick until that uh, speed yeah, and exactly Ringo both get reps. Do you think right now Ringo is starting to take that job? I think he is. I think the more he's out there, like he got beat, but like he was making up with it for speed. Like the thing is, like speed, even when he's in position, he's not playing the ball well either. Like I think that's a big problem. Like Ringo is he he's getting better, but speed is about. I don't know where if he can improve on it. It's like he didn't know that ball was that first one to Van that sixty one yard. It's like he didn't. It's like he didn't even know the ball was in the air. He was the one that gave up the the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, and like. Like he was kind of like he wasn't in terrible position on that sixty-one yarder, but he just didn't he didn't even try to make a play on the ball. It's like he didn't know the ball was in the air. He wasn't reading the the, uh, the receiver's hands, wasn't reading, reading his eyes, his helmet, all those things. You got to read all those indicators, and that's just not good enough. And Ringo, you know, obviously had his issues in, the, in game one against Clemson, where he was tackling guys in the end zone. But like that's his first game ever, and he's getting more and more comfortable out there. He's not perfect. He's got a long way to go, but I think he's starting to potentially take that position. We'll see. We'll see. All right, what else did you not like, Kurt? I wasn't a huge fan of the mental errors by the receivers. Um, that's one thing that's really bothering me. 
they just seem to continuously, I don't know. I think the wide receiver inconsistencies across the board, especially these young guys. Um, you saw JT was kind of getting a little animated because they weren't lining up correctly. Um, then they're not hold, they're not blocking very well, or they're making dumb like that block in the back by Justin Robinson. It's just um, some of these young guys. The the yeah, it's just the the mental mistakes by some of these young guys is really bothering me because you can't have that in a good game. I'll say I, I'm a, here's what I had on my list. Um, I'll kind of piggyback off you since you kind of brought it up. Receiver blocking in general, I think, has been very yeah, poor. Been I thought maybe um, – and here's how bad it's been. I thought it was better yesterday, but it still wasn't good. Uh, I think Jermaine Burton yeah, – I mean, I want to highlight Jermaine Burton's block Nick that great one where he was just, just driving the guy down the field. But the rest of it, like especially what you saw at uh, Rosemead Jack Saint, that one where they kind of ran that little screen. Or, I think it was to, yeah, uh, to Bowers. Bowers or something like that. But yep. the play, oh, it was going to be a big play. Yeah, but he fair. just totally let the guy shoot inside of him. It was an RPO, and JT read yeah. it right, and there there was going to be room there, and he just. Now, I mean, you gained four yards. His guy nice in there, but, play. but yeah, you can't. You at least got to get ahead on him. It's not a yeah. You, it, it's not good enough right now. And I will say, Jermaine Burton. I think he was bad against Clemson. Like just like, mm-hmm. he, you thought he was rusty. He hadn't practiced much because he had the, the ankle injury. But he's he's improving. He's getting better. There. He's always been willing. He's just. <laughs> not good a week one. It wasn't great last year. And some of those guys, some of the young guys are going through those growing pains right now with Marcus Rosemey Jackson. He really didn't play a lot last year. Justin Robinson didn't play any last year. But it's got to improve. It's just got to get better. Our tight ends are doing a better job out there on the perimeter. But we're running a lot of screens, guys. You've seen us do this. And these plays are there. There's big plays in the making, but we're just like one guy here, one guy there, just not making the ball even your public enemy number one justin schaefer on one of the screens there i think it was to kenny mcintosh maybe yeah um, he missed the, I, yeah he he was, we had him out in space and he just he just turned around in circles looking for the mind block and just didn't block anybody just like turn around in circles like like an idiot i shouldn't say idiot. like he just was clueless there and it's like god man i i, I know you're not made to block in space i understand that but like just get in front of somebody you know don't just turn in circles we've just got to get better in the screen game like it the plays are there. Munkin is dialing up some plays that are there in the screen game, and we're just not executing. It's receivers, it's tight ends at times. Oh, they're getting better. Sometimes it's alignment out there in space. It's just gotta get better. Yeah, the Justin Robinson one, man. God, that was a, that was a nice play for for Cook. It was that was a, a, a yeah. classified as an explosive play, and it, it was first off completely unnecessary. And then why? Why it wasn't even close. The guy's back is to you. Why are you hitting him? I mean, you learned this in in. Third grade, like if you play football, like what are, what are you doing? So just yeah, I'm with you. Things like that. Um, all right. Uh, for me, let's see where I want to go next. Um, third down conversions, defensive, uh, allowing them South Carolina some third down conversions. Yeah, almost fifty percent. Like, that's not good enough. Like that, that's not where we want. Especially against South Carolina, guys. This offense is not good. I mean, whether it's for twenty points to be ECU twenty, I think it's like beat them twenty seventeen. That's not good enough, okay? And I know the offense is a little bit different with Luke Doty coming in. He hadn't really played all – he hadn't played at all, at all all year. And that was one of the things I wasn't concerned about. It was like, hey, you know, like, hey, this guy's going to be out there. The offense is probably going to look different. He's a different kind of quarterback than Seb Nolan was. And and Nolan got injured and in the first after the first drive, I guess, and then comes Luke Doty. But 8 out of 17, to anybody's not great, especially against South Carolina, who's just not good offensively. They're just not there. Uh, that should just never happen. It's too much. So, and too many of those were, were – were completions in the passing game when Lou Doty is just not a great passer right now. So that is slightly concerning for me. That's something that we certainly got to improve on. That's not good enough. We did a great job on the flip side on our own third down conversions, but we cannot give up eight for eight out of 17 
conversions there on third down to, to, to a team like South Carolina. That just can't happen. All right, Kurt, what, else, what else you got, man? Um, my b- next big one is uh, Kirby really harped on his post-game press conference. We can't have the turnovers. Um, yeah. You know, I already mentioned how bad that Stetson throw was. And then JT made a very ill-advised throw. Now, I don't know if it's a close game if he makes that throw, but even then you just can't waste your opportunities. Um, and then I still I haven't seen a replay of the Kendall Milton one. That one really confused me because I swore he was down. Um, he was, everything I've heard he was 100% swore. down. It wasn't even close. Like I mean, that really, one, I mean, I, the fact is now I don't know what happened, but the fact is we can't have three turnovers in an SEC game and expect to win. Usually. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Curtis. They got, and that's also on my list. I, they had ten points off turnovers. We they we should have beaten them forty to three easily because they 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 they, they couldn't really move. Like they had a couple third down conversions, sure, but they they weren't consistently threatening to score. And they got ten points off turnovers there. And they, you're right, against better teams, that will get you beat. We're fortunate. We're just far better than them. Talent-wise, we're just so much better. The gap is there. And uh, we were able to get away with it. You cannot get away with that against good teams. It will get you beat. That cannot happen. Simply cannot happen. I do think Kendall Milton was down. That brings me to my, my next one here, what I didn't like. SEC officiating is just bad. That was like Oh, they had a rough weekend. Yeah, they were fine in our game. Except for the Kendall Milton one was the only glaring thing I thought was wrong in our game. But it was terrible. Another thing I didn't like, we gave him a touchdown for the first time all year. And that was because it was off the Kendall Milton fumble, which wasn't really a fumble, so it shouldn't really have been a touchdown. So as far as I'm concerned, we still have, to give up, have not given up a touchdown. And it wasn't really our starting unit out there anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, our starters have still not given up a touchdown. But whatever. But that Penn State game, did you, I know you were you were driving back after that. Did you catch any of that? It was horrible. Yeah, into the game, and I've definitely seen a lot. Of, my favorite is James Franklin's reaction when they ask him about it at halftime. He just sits there quiet, and they're like, yeah, that's what we expect. Like, he's shuddering. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen – I mean, I guess you know, the fifth down, with, with Colorado, I've seen it like, in Little League football. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, but it wasn't even just that. And then, like the miscommunication between Sean Clifford and the receiver, and they and, he, and they call intentional grounding when he's not under any pressure at all. It was just a miscommunication. And what? And then later in the game, and then Bo Nix is clearly not out of the pocket late in the game, in a very critical situation, throws the ball away, and they don't call intentional grounding. That was far more intentional grounding than what happened with Penn State. It just. And those were big, big moments, big plays. So just terrible, terrible stuff there from SEC officiating, which if all of us who watch SEC week in, week out, um, we know. But the rest of the country kind of got to see that on full display in that Penn State. Especially that Mississippi State-Memphis, that punt return. I mean, it was just a joke. Just a bad look, bad, bad look for SEC officiating. I got to get that cleaned up. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, all right. Is that, you got anything else you don't like, Kurt? You ready to move on to the good stuff? No, was, that, those are my three main dislikes. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of more things I can go with, but uh, enough of that. Let's go to what we like, the good fun stuff here, Curtis. All right, man, where are you going to start? What are some things you liked from this game? Okay, so you mentioned this as being a dislike, but I got to say offensively I liked our third down conversions. Yeah. Um, 
I thought everyone to, all together made it work. We had, the O-line was giving JT a pocket. The receivers did a good job of getting to the down marker and turning around, running the you know running far enough to get the first down, and JT was hitting them, throwing them good throws. Um, so I think all around you got to enjoy those third-down conversions because they weren't third and two, third and three. So there was a lot of third and five to third and ten um, in that range, and we were making those conversions. So I, I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, 9 of 12 on third down, 75%, which is elite, elite, elite. Uh, now, I would say, I don't want us to, you're right, there were some third longs. I don't want us to be in those third longs, but we did a good job converting them yeah. when we had to, because you're going to be in those situations. It happens. Um, so we did a good job there. And they were trying different things. They were pressuring, they were dropping back into coverage, doing some different things. And uh, we were, no matter what they were doing, we were slowly convert those third downs. So that's big time. That's certainly some of my list as well. I'm going to go at, at the top here, I'm going to go Nolan Smith, man. Big time game. Big time game, forced fumble there. But it wasn't just the sacks. They ended up with the sack and a half. Uh, he's playing the run really well, man. He's really, really closing well. He's taking on the blockers. He's playing with discipline on the edge, which he hasn't always done. He's holding up well there. Um, he's just an active player right now. He's doing a great job in the run game. He's doing a great job going after the passer. Forced the first fumble of the year for, for our defense. So, Nolan Smith, I think he's, you know, there's always been that question. When's he ever? Is he ever going to live up to the hype as the – former number one overall recruit in the country. I think we're starting to see that happen. Uh, he's, I'm not going to say he's a better pass rusher than, than Adam Anderson. He's not. He's a more complete player than Adam Anderson. And I, that's why he's playing more at that outside linebacker position. Adam, that's just not what Adam does. But Nolan Smith is really starting to turn on. It's early in the year. and He's only going to get better. And that's another thing that has to be scary for opposing teams on the schedule the rest of the way. All right, what you got next? Um, I'm going to go with the running backs. I honestly thought they played really, really well. Um, the fact is that they did it all. Through, um, you know, no one out there was running for 100 yards, but I think it's the whole unit. They put in a lot of work, um, found lanes when there weren't always lanes. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to them. I think running back by committee, they did a great job. Yeah, we rushed almost six yards of carry. Especially, oh, I, wanna, I, wanna, I do want to give um, – I want to say it was – I don't think it's a touchdown pass. I think it may have been a third down conversion. I think it was to A.D. Mitchell. But the one where Kenny Mack really stepped in and took on that pass rusher, just head oh, on geez. and gave JT the pocket to throw. Um, just things like that. Like like I said, like they did it in all facets of the game. And that's one of the reasons Kenny Mack didn't play as much last year. He was terrible in pass protection last year. But he really stepped up and delivered a big, big block on that play. It was big, big time, big time. Yeah, uh, 5.9 yards per rush, 184 yards uh, on the day. Uh, had a couple explosives, had a couple of 20 plus yards, one from Kendall, one from, from Cook. Uh, played, I think we ran the ball better, which is good to see because that's a good defensive front. It's the best thing South Carolina has to offer is that defensive front. And uh, we'd had a tough day around the football against UAB. So I, was, I like to see it's not where we, I want it to be. I want us to be more consistent, more, you know, and more explosive there. But it's a good start heading in the right direction from, from the run game there. So I like to see that heading into more of the meat of our schedule here. Um, I'm going to go vertical passing game here. We gave up too many vertical shots uh, to South Carolina, in my opinion. But it was nice to see us. And we did some last week as well. But against the SEC team, hit some vertical shots there. Hit JT, like you said earlier, Curtis, coming in. Uh, had some issues at times. Inconsistent. It was erratic with his deep ball at times last year. And just threw a couple of just absolute dimes. First off, to diagnose where to go with the ball, and then just to put it on the money like that. One to Jermaine, one to AD, both 35 plus yard 
completions, those explosive passing plays. That's what we need to see. We wanted, we want to see in week one. We didn't get it because Clemson wasn't giving us that. But South Carolina play, basically defensively played us the opposite of, way, of of the way Clemson plays. They were rolling that safety down from the get go, which is what we traditionally see. And we said, okay, cool, we see you. We'll do this. So we literally just took what they gave us and we hit those plays. So that's why I, I wasn't freaking out for the Clemson game. They weren't giving us those. You don't want to force that. But teams will eventually start giving it to us. And then once we're able to hit those throws and they can't get, can't give us that, then they have to back out. We'll be able to run the ball on them. And it's going to be a tough, tough task for any defense to stop us. So really nice to see the vertical passing game, especially A.D. Mitchell also getting involved and really maybe growing into a guy that can be counted on potentially in the future as a number one receiver. All right, where are you going next, Kurt? Um, well, I want to give a guy, you know, the architect of all the things we've been talking about, Todd Monkton. I think he called a great, great game, found um, just great play calls. People were open left and right. Um, even the drives, which didn't turn out great, the plays were there to be made. You think of the, the drive where Stetson throws the pick, Brock Bowers wide open. The drive where Stetson, uh, JT throws the pick, the play, a couple plays before that. Beautiful play where Brock Bowers just drops the ball or else he's gone for a nice 20 to 30-yard game. Um, I think he just called a beautiful game. And Curtis, this is what we said last year, right? I mean, guys were wide open all year last year. We just weren't putting it on them, and that's changing this year. And, huh, funny how that works. All of a sudden, offense starts to produce more, and the passing game starts to look a little different when you actually can hit those guys. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I mean, he's the difference, man. I know everyone wants to say JT's a difference maker. He, he is. We haven't had a quarterback like that. I will say that. But Todd Munkin, I think, is maybe the biggest difference maker on our offense. Like, that's that was the problem. Jim Chaney, not as much with Jim Chaney, but to a degree. But Coley, oh. God, just they just mm. didn't know how to get people open, and that like that's all he does is find ways to get people open. And they just weren't running modern offenses, you know. I mean, they just they weren't maximizing the the, the advantages that offensive football is allowed to have now with the way the rules have, have changed. And Todd Munkin does that. He's just better. He's just a better coordinator. That's it. He's just better. Um, all right, for me, let's go. I'm gonna go to the defense here. Uh, obviously, we know how great our defense is. Uh, we understand that, but I I want to go here. Um, the defense putting the fire out after Stetson Bennett's turnover there. And guys, that game is still, the game was, uh, maybe it was never in doubt, but like it was still close enough, right? 14 3 at that point. Could have made you uncomfortable for a while. Yeah, sure. Like it's like, okay, you know, you know I'm sitting there, my knees shaking, you know, as, or just, you know, I'm, you know, doing my little knee wobble thing I always do, whatever, you know, and I, I get nervous. I'm just anxiety ridden watching Georgia games. It's hard to get through it sometimes for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like coming out there, Offense turns the ball over. It's deep in your territory, and you got to come and put the fire out. So my coaches should always say when I was playing, you got to put the fire out, got to put the fire out defense. And that's what they did. They came out there, put the fire out, forced the field goal, did not give up the score, and uh, kept us in a situation where it didn't really ever get all that interesting. You know, it was, you know, early in the game, you know, they hit a couple plays, but it was never really all that interesting. And uh, that's big. You got to be able to do that defensively, especially when you play some of those better teams. This offense is unfortunately going to turn the ball over at times. You're going to be in bad spots, and you can't just wilt. You got to stand your ground, put the fire out. I thought they did a great job there holding them, especially after that set interception to three points. All right, what else you got? Um, my last big one is I just want to give a shout out to the special teams. Um, running that um, punt to perfection down, pinning them deep um, was a huge five point swing, realistically. Yeah, that's a huge one, man. That's big. Yeah, that was awesome. And it was. And like it was crazy in that in that situation sitting there stands and we got him down like inside the one. I'm sitting there, okay, now we just gotta create a negative play. And and I never expected to happen. I, I was I was honestly in. flabbergasted. Like I was I was laughing. I was just like, why would you try to throw a deep ball? A play action deep ball against our defense. Yeah, that's why I was just like my my goodness. 
Yeah, that's, that's Kirby called a perfect – or the defense called a perfect play. I don't know who called it, but the fact you bring the, the corner blitz and force him into, up in the pocket where we can clean up with our front seven, it was just – I mean, it was just all done to perfection, but they yep. definitely helped us in that situation. Yep. And Beamer's face right after that, watching the replay, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, you haven't been here before, have you? Not like this. Uh, good call there, good call. I got a couple more here. I'm just going to run through them real fast. Channing Tindall, I want to give him a shout-out here. Oh, uh, didn't leave the team in tackles – I think he was one off the lead, but this, you know, he's from, he's from Columbia, South Carolina. He was the captain out there and it was great to see him have another really big game and just lighting people up. Did you see some of those hits, Kurt? Oh, that I mean, my favorite was the, I think it was Kevin Harris where he cleaned it up in the pocket. And, you know, everyone talks about Kevin Harris probably being the best running back in the SEC coming in this year. And uh, My favorite is just him just stuffing him at the line. And Kevin Harris is a load. It's a big back. I mean, we know he can chase people down. We saw him do. We we saw him chase down Luke Doty, who is a very, very fast quarterback. He's basically a running back playing quarterback. Chase him down, but also just filling in the hole there. Guys, Channing Tindall might not start for us. I think he has an NFL future. I really do. I think that guy. Can I mean, play I think it's almost like a it's like a one at one A one B when it comes to him and Quay at this point. Yeah, it really, it really is. So I want to give him a shout out there. Another guy I want to give a shout out. He didn't put up the stats, but I know that's what people look for. Jalen Carter, though. Jalen Carter, second week in a row. Just wreaking havoc, uh, just creating plays. It's almost like Jordan Davis, like creating opportunities for other people to, to get sacks and all that kind of thing, and pick up the numbers. But I mean, look, there are guards like turnstiles. Their guards are terrible. Um, so it's, whether it's Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, they were all having field days out there. But Jalen Carter is a problem for people. All right. And a lot of people were wondering, like, why did you have this guy in your top five top players coming into the season? Because I think he's freaking crazy good. In terms of talent, there's not many more talented players in our defense than Jalen Carter. And uh, he's just, he is, man, to say, you have this guy that doesn't necessarily, doesn't start every game. That guy doesn't start. You know you got a killer demons of line when that dude doesn't start every game. So he is just a, a freak, man. I'm trying to put together some some stuff I can put on Instagram, some videos for you guys of him, just use some examples of him just wreaking havoc, which is what just what Jalen Carter does. Um, see what else I got here. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's enough. I got defensive speed. We know that. Defensive speed, like just chasing people down, man, all over this place. It's craziness. Uh, we talk about perimeter blocking. Got a note here: perimeter blocking is improving, but still not good enough. Um, but a lot of stuff to like there, guys. But is that it, Kurt? Oh, you got Kurt? Yeah, that's yeah. those are the main ones I wanted to hit on today. All right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. As always, we really appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy schedules and choosing to listen to our podcast. And we will continue to try to return the favor by giving you guys the best coverage of the Georgia Bulldogs that you will find anywhere out there, at least the most in-depth coverage of the Georgia Bulldogs that you will find anywhere. And speaking of in-depth coverage, we will be back tomorrow with our week three mailbag episode where we will be digging even further into this week's game against South Carolina and answer all your specific questions about the game against the Gamecocks and also start to look forward a little bit to the game against Vanderbilt and also look at some big picture questions that you guys have also sent in. So Charlie and I will be back with all of that tomorrow. Then I will have your Vanderbilt game preview episode on Wednesday And then Charlie and I will be back to wrap up the week with our picks of the week on Thursday. So a lot of great stuff coming your way the rest of this week and the rest of the 2021 season. Also want to quickly remind you guys about our good friends Alumni Hall. Please make sure you guys, if you're looking for anything Georgia football gear or accessory related, I am telling you Alumni Hall has you covered. It is the place to go for any and all of your Georgia gear needs. You can check them out online at alumnihall.com. 
Shopify.com or in-store in the Epsbridge Shopping Center here in the great city of Athens, GA. But thanks for listening, guys. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>